Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just... A marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. He hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder, he's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. Then I think it'd be a toss up with Pascal. 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome into the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. Jake Plummer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit Elixinall.com to get yours today. I'm AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone. We are the Draft Guys. It is Friday. That means we are talking NFL Draft. Andre, my yeah. man, two weeks until uh, showtime. How you feeling? Um... A little, a little nervous. I feel like there's uh, quite a bit to do from now until then. So it's uh, really getting to the nitty gritty. But uh, pumping out lots of content. Got tons more planned. So stay tuned to BSN Denver. Subscribe if you haven't already. Wink, wink. You can get a free month subscription for all the draft content. Uh, you know, it's in less than a month. So. There you go. You can get all that draft content for free from now until then and give us a try. Easy breezy. Yeah, we also have uh, the Nuggets and Avalanche in the postseason. Uh, we're running a deal right now where if you use promo code playoffs, you uh, get a free shirt. That's right. And uh, even if you don't care about the Avs or Nuggets, you can still use that promo code and still get yourself a free shirt and yep. use that free, free Bronco shirt. shirt and uh, right. jokes on us, eh? Yeah, totally. So there you go. 
All right, Andre, let's go ahead and jump into what we have planned for the show today. Uh, did you know Denver is picking at 10? Because we may not have talked about it enough yet. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is news to me. I, I didn't realize that they hold the NFL draft lottery a couple days ago and I missed it. Okay, too soon, dude. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Zing. Good Lord. <laughs> it wasn't even a zinger though. Why don't I'm you just, launch, 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 launch you just pour iodine in the open wound? You come on. <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing into your joke. Jeez. This I is thought... a this is a family show, man. <laughs> I thought we were friends here. My you goodness. just you just committed murder live on our air. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our options here at 10. We want to break down a couple of guys. There are a couple of guys that we've really honed in on who should be the top options. Uh, potentially available here. Um, we're going to talk about those guys and then, uh, you know, try and try and figure out which ones are best. You guys are already all familiar with these cats. We've been talking about them for months, so none of these should come as any kind of surprises. But we're trying to do our due diligence here just in case. So we're just going to start up here at the top with uh, a, the guy that most all of us would be okay with going at 10, and that's Devin White. Yeah, we've been talking up Devin White since our preseason show because it was impossible to miss him when you watched LSU tape back in 2017. Uh, he's, you know, had a strong 2018 season, though he, he keeps showing how raw he is. Uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough with Devin White is that he's a two-time captain at LSU, and we know how, um, you know, going after strong strong leaders and team captains is something that the Broncos used to their advantage in last year's draft and had one of the better drafts that they've had under John Elway in part because they applied that strategy. So Devin White checks off a lot of boxes in that sense. And, you know, we were the first ones after my film breakdown of that Fanjo defense to say, forget cornerback linebacker is where it's at in the scheme. Mm -hmm. And not just any linebacker you want, rangy linebackers who can cover a lot of ground in the middle of the field, uh, you know, just dominate in those underneath zones and make modern NFL passing attacks that really want to live off of those quick timing throws over the middle, uh, you know, impossible to succeed in. And Devin White can do that. Now he needs to be groomed some. Uh, as I mentioned, he's raw. He misses tackles. He'll take bad angles. You know, he's, his instincts aren't great. He, he bites on play action a little too much. But what's amazing about this guy is with despite all those deficiencies, he constantly is able to recover and make up for that lost time that he, you know, where he, he missed a play or got himself, put himself out of a play because of those instincts. He'll fly back in because he just has incredible athleticism for the for the position. I mean, truly rare elite athleticism for a linebacker. I think he could have been, you know, he he came in as a, as a running back slash linebacker at LSU. He could have easily played running back and been a first round pick at that position just because of that athleticism for his size. Um, so he comes with some risk, but he's the perfect prospect to put into Vic Fangio's hands. Let him groom and develop Devin White. And all of a sudden, once you patch up that linebacker spot in the middle of the Broncos defense, I don't see why, after adding all those cornerbacks in free agency, 
the Broncos couldn't get back to elite status on defense sooner rather than later. And, you know, with the Vic Fancho hire, I think that's the goal here. It was the goal last year with drafting Bradley Chubb. It's continued to be the goal uh, this offseason with the coaching hire and free agency. This would just continue that trend, give the Broncos an identity, get them back to elite status on defense, and let's roll. Let's roll sounds perfect for me, man. I am all about grabbing Devin White. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously... I'm enamored with the kid. I'm enamored with the player. I'm enamored with the fit and the scheme. Everything is just perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm... I I mean, it's just... I grew up on great linebackers for the Broncos, and it feels like it's been a long time since we've had that. Sure has. Yeah, been the abandoned position where I have to watch, and no offense to him, but I have to watch Todd Davis run around out there and get eaten alive by every tight end known to mankind. So... Yeah. And I mean, honestly, if you want to know why Broncos coaches have been so excited about the Broncos tight ends for the last couple of years, it's because they're playing against the Broncos linebackers in practice every day. <laughs> That's one theory. Um, so, and, you know, Devin White post-combine, I think the thought was, oh, he'll never arrive to 10. Now, you know, yeah. as we've gained as we've gained some separation from the testing in Indianapolis, I think it's becoming a little more likely. And you got to remember, off-ball linebackers aren't going to be top priority for teams drafting in the top 10 the way that edge rushers, defensive linemen, quarterbacks will be. Uh, So there is, you know, especially once trades come into play, there's Mm -hmm. definitely a possibility that White could could drop to 10. And then, uh, you know, he's an easy pick in Denver. I feel like Tampa Bay is the the biggest... Mm-hmm. Uh, concern, and then after that, uh, Detroit and Buffalo are the other two teams that make me nervous there. Yeah, if think... only because I don't really know what what I don't feel comfortable with where Detroit and, and Buffalo are headed on draft day, and I feel comfortable about all the other teams in the top seven uh, and Tampa Bay. Getting by Tampa Bay is key, and then mm-hmm. Buffalo and Detroit and somebody trading ahead of Denver are all the ones that make me nervous. Like Cincinnati trading up to nine to jump in front of Denver and go get him would be something that I could easily see happening too. Yeah, totally. I do think Buffalo with Tremaine Edmonds might not be in that linebacker market as well. Detroit, definitely a possibility that I could see them trading down. I could see them going O-line or D-line. Tampa Bay is definitely the pick, but there is, you know, as long as just one quarterback sneaks into the top four, they should have Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams available to them at five. And that I think would allow them to pass on Devin white opting instead for, uh, you know, someone who can bring a little more value on the defensive line or that front seven. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, that's, that's where you're hoping the quarterbacks uh, go and maybe even two quarterbacks, you know, maybe we get a little oh, yeah. weird and, and Tampa Bay all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> They all of a sudden they can't pass it up uh, of the pass rushers that have fallen. So totally, yeah. Um, that's that's kind of what we're hoping on draft day in order to get Devin White to Denver. Uh, let's move on. The other Devin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, through much of this process, it's kind of been uh, the lesser Devin. But as we get yeah. here, we've really talked ourselves into this guy at ten, and and I would be fine with this too. It'd be a little less of of a home run for me, but. 
it's still a triple. Yeah, yeah, because the fit in the scheme, everything we said about uh, White applies to Bush, maybe even more so because he's more polished, more NFL-ready. You don't have the same concerns about him being raw or uh, lacking instincts or what have you. He's a pretty safe pick, uh, and just as an elite athlete. And, you know, there might be some upside because if you if you iron out some of Bush's deficiencies, which are mostly taking on blockers as a blitzer against the running game because he is undersized. You improve his hands a little. You improve his core strength just a bit. He could be a pretty special player as well. I think, you know, Devin White's ceiling is like Patrick Willis. I think Devin Bush could be a more juiced up uh, Levante David or a better version of Quan Alexander. He could be that next great undersized linebacker in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I mean, those guys sound great to me. So, yeah. yeah, Devin Bush would be fine. I do, boy, if he was the best player available, first off, uh, you know, I, I doubt it, frankly, because he's like 14th on my board. So at 10, there's likely someone who's a little higher on my board remaining. And hey, maybe it's an edge rusher that they don't need. So that's fine. You take Devin Bush. Yeah. But, you know, for the sake of being greedy and maximizing the value of this pick, if Devin Bush really is your best player available, ideally you can trade down in that 11 to 15 range and still try to grab Bush, uh, you know, while adding a little extra draft capital by trading down. For example, in my latest mock draft where I project some trades and that kind of allowed things to unfold a little better, uh, he he dropped all the way to 20 to Pittsburgh, which I think is his absolute floor, but it's not completely inconceivable that he dropped that far. And, you know, so at 10, he'd be a slight reach, but you like the talent upside the fact that he's already a safe pick and especially the scheme fits so much that i i absolutely would not be critical if they decided to take him yeah and and i mean how many how many times have we mentioned this you know uh recently where you know you do want to maximize value right you want to take guys in their appropriate slots but at the same time you also want to get good football players that make your team better when you're talking about picking a guy 10th or picking a guy 14th or 12th or whatever, you know, you're talking about a couple of spots here. Uh, yeah. If if there's not interest in moving down and somebody is only going to offer you like a seventh round pick or something, it's not worth it to lose out on your guy. Absolutely. You know, it's not worth yep. it to lose out on Devin Bush because you're trying to add a fifth round pick to move mm-hmm. down four spots. Right. You know, Don't it's just, get cute. Yeah. For me, that's, that's bad business. If you can add a if you can add a second round pick, a third round pick, you know, you're adding another top 100 player to your roster. That's an easy yes. You take right. that chance. And then, you know, if Bush is gone, then you move on to uh another guy and and if if it's just to move down and take Bush, then you obviously just take him. Right. Um, you know, you don't you, you don't draft like that. You have players in clusters in case you move down and something does go wrong. Otherwise, you end up like the Nuggets a couple years ago where they traded down with one guy in mind. They mm-hmm. traded too far down, watched the whole thing blow up in their face, and they burned the pick on a guy that they're going to let walk as a free agent without him ever having played meaningful minutes for them. So, 
You know, yeah, that I, was getting I too cute. You that was an, that up. an exact example of how not to do it. Yeah. Um, and Devin Bush is the kind of guy where it's like, would you love to take him at 15 because it's a little bit more of an appropriate spot? Absolutely. But, you know, if Washington, who's at 15, isn't interested in moving up to 10 for anything, don't don't sit there and, and worry too much about it. Take the dude and be done. Yeah, totally. And as we illustrated in our last show with our seven-round mock, you know, it's the linebacker class thins out. There's not too many guys in that day two range who you feel great about. Um, and some of those guys might get overdrafted. So, you know, while the value doesn't line up perfectly with Bush, it lines up a lot better than it will in rounds two through four, uh, which is really, you, you know, those rounds are your last chance to pick an immediate starter at the position. We always talk about the top 100 being a key in finding a, a, a future starter. You wait a little longer, it's going to be harder to find a future starter. Uh, so, yeah, don't get too cute. Really good point. If Bush is there and he's your best player available, take him and don't worry about it. Um, we're going to talk about the other guy that's not going to get picked mm -hmm. by Denver and it's going to break my heart for a thousand reasons. But we're going to talk about him anyway because he's certainly going to be in that range. Ed Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, you want to uh, wax poetic on Ed Oliver and why he was our consensus top prospect coming into the season? I mean, he's perfect, man. You know, he's a okay. he's an inside he's an inside lineman that gets penetration. He's a guy that uh, he can rush the passer. He can go against the run. He spent all his basically his entire career at Houston being double and triple teamed yes. because uh, find me another draftable guy from that Houston defense, especially up front. Yeah, um, you know he he was dominant his first two years there. His third year was very Jadavian Clowney-esque. And, you know, there were some injuries. There was an at mm -hmm. all of a sudden there was an attitude problem because he didn't want to uh, take his jacket off or, you know, on the sideline, some nonsense. And right. uh, it's it's classic prospect fatigue where this guy that they, they've been watching for years and they've been waiting years for, they suddenly, it's time to pick him and they, they, they want to, they want to break the kid down into the, into all these little pieces but, you know, you look at a guy like Quinn and Williams, who only has one year of tape and, oh, he's the he's the everybody's darling. Right. You know, like he had a great year. Sure. But if Ed Oliver's freshman year was his junior year instead, we'd yeah. be talking about Ed Oliver in the top three picks and it wouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, it's definitely some prospect fatigue. I think, though, in, in fairness, there's also a bit of a lack of improvement. Uh, you could argue that his freshman year was his best season. And specifically for the Broncos, you know, it's a, it's a fit thing as well. Um, the Broncos under John Elway have never taken a defensive lineman who was as short and had the short arms that Ed Oliver has. And, you know, in an odd front, that does come into play because having long arms allows you to extend, keep O-linemen off of you uh, longer, you know, just like a boxer. Having that extra length allows you to keep uh, keep your adversary at bay and uh, make some plays. And you see that. Oliver needs to be developed as far as his hand usage, adding more to his pass rushing arsenal, adding more to his counter moves. But his athleticism is unquestioned. I mean... 
not just as an interior penetrator, it shows up when he's running guys down in pursuit to the point where some NFL teams have asked him if he'd be interested to switching at linebacker, which for a guy who's in that 280-pound range is absolutely insane. But I could see it. I mean, like when you watch his tape, you can see that kind of athleticism uh, shining. So controversial pick. I do worry that the Broncos aren't as interested as... Broncos fans are just because he's not a perfect fit in this defense, even though he he could be a really phenomenal pick. I mean, you know, he's a classic. Maybe he's not the most well-rounded. Maybe he's not the safest pick. Maybe he's not the most polished coming into the NFL. But he has that one trait that is elite. And that elite trait is one of the most coveted traits of all a.k.a. he could be an elite interior pass rusher. Yeah, I do. I will agree. I do think that uh, I worry that the Broncos are less interested than the rest of us are. Yeah. Um, Just the fit is definitely not ideal, and I think that's Mm -hmm. a very real concern. And it's a perfectly valid concern. Um, But if you also get a guy like Ed Oliver and you can't make him work, you're not a very good coach. And that's how totally. I feel at the end yep. of the day, man. If you can't make Ed Oliver, Bradley Chubb, and Vaughn Miller into the most defend, dominant defensive line in the NFL, you're just not very good at your job. Um, moving on, Rashawn Gary, Josh Allen, two other guys that could be in play at 10 because there is a world in which Devin White is gone, Ed Oliver is gone, and you don't want to take Devin Bush at 10. Rashawn Gary could drop, you know, the freak athlete that did not live up to his athleticism. Yeah, uh, his tape does not match his potential in college. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Josh Allen, kind of the opposite. A guy that went back for a senior year, uh, probably will not be on the board. But again, due diligence says we're going to talk about it. So, Rashawn Gary, Josh Allen, how do you feel? Yeah, Gary would be interesting because he does feel like more of a fit than Oliver, for example. And we've seen them kind of be intrigued by athletic freaks with that high pedigree and upside uh, before, especially because he can straddle between edge rusher and like a a hand in the dirt defensive end in a three, four, and that versatility could make him intriguing in this front. But as we were talking off air, uh, I don't, it it just either Gary's going to be gone or if Gary's still on the board, you know, there's only 10 picks. There's probably a guy you and I would prefer like a quarterback or even Devin Bush at that point who might be more of a pressing need. The other thing about Gary is this is an extremely deep defensive line class. Uh, You know, we were pounding that table early on. Uh, We we don't want to be redundant, so we're not repeating it every episode, but that remains the case. And uh, so you could wait for that defensive lineman. So that's kind of the thoughts on Gary. As far as Josh Allen goes, we did see Fangio last year in Chicago used three edge rushers on the field at once with a versatile athletic guy in Leonard Floyd who he could move around and drop in coverage at times. Josh Allen has showed that he has that ability to drop in coverage and can really be uh, quite talented in doing that. So yes, it'd be a third edge rusher, which you don't need a third edge rusher drafted in the top 10. So that does seem like overkill. But then again, in Fangio's scheme, he could fit in some unique ways 
he could be a dark horse pick, though again, he's almost certainly gone by the fifth, sixth pick. Yeah, that and that's going to be a, a, a heartbreaker in itself. Like, he's such an interesting player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Getting, you know, working, working a guy like that in there um, would be, it would be fun. Especially if he yeah. ends up, you know, going all Khalil Mack and ends up in, in Oakland and they have to play against oh, yeah. him a bunch. Yeah, it feels uh, like that. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go ahead here. Uh, let's take our first break. We are going to come back on the other side. We're going to do the same thing, except we're going to talk about offense, uh, offensive options at the 10th pick. Instead of just looking at defense, which is what we have spent most of this time doing. So you definitely don't want to miss that. We will uh, be right back. It's the BSN Broncos Draft Piper Podcast. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back in second segment here, the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. Andre, yeah, how's life, man? We never really get to have these conversations. We're always so busy. Uh, we're always so busy getting into all the stuff we have to That's talk true. about because we only have one show per week. How's life? How's the daughter? She's doing good, man, though. You know, she was waking up at nine all week, which was fine by me. So I figured, oh, I can stay up and write my latest mock draft and insert some trades and you know next thing you know it's 1 30 and i'm going to bed and i think oh i'll be fine because she's gonna sleep until nine again nope she woke up at 6 30 and was not happy with me being super groggy and trying to rock her back to sleep so i am tired but aside from that i'm doing i'm doing grand buddy uh how are you do you have that problem when you wake up of like your body is up, but your brain hasn't started yet? Uh, yes. It's and why so as you're a parent, to doing I need dumb to drink things. Coffee. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well then I'll share this story on this podcast. So yesterday uh-huh. I will, I woke up yesterday, uh, to go cover avalanche practice. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the the last practice in Denver before they left for Calgary uh, for game one of their playoff series tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forgot that they had moved practice up because of the big snowstorm that was yesterday. Yeah. So they had moved practice up half an hour 
so that they could get on, they could get out of town in time and that there wouldn't be any delays or any issues. Uh-huh. Uh, so I forgot. I, I woke up in plenty of time. Uh, I got up earlier in the morning, but I hadn't had any caffeine and it wasn't an issue because it was like, well, my, I don't need my brain to start because I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it was, it was really funny because when it dawned on me, that I had forgotten. Uh, I grabbed all my stuff and I ran out and I jumped into my car. Now it turns out I had forgot to, I forgot to put pants on. So Mm -hmm. I was just sitting in my car in boxers. No way. And was like, oops, I should probably do this. (laughs) No way. And so I was like, okay, while I so I run inside, obviously, and I get dressed properly this time. And I was like, okay, what? let's also like let's also get some caffeine in my body because clearly I'm not handling this. And not only that, so I everything is fine, right? It's all good. I uh, I start to get an energy drink in me, and I'm and I'm I'm starting to wake up a little bit, and. I back out of my driveway and I smoke our trash can in the driveway. <laughs> and like, I have no idea why oh my, my roommate put it, put it behind my car. We have a three car garage and a three car driveway. One of which have, uh, and there are two of us living here. And so that, that side of the driveway is completely empty. And for some reason he put it behind my car and I just didn't, I wow. just didn't see it. It wasn't like I didn't even check I just didn't see it. And I so I smoked this thing. I smoked this trash can. And it's only got like two things of trash in it. Because again, there's just two of us living here. And right. he's never really here. Uh, and so like I, the thing, trash can goes like flying into the street. And I go and I'm like, oh my God, AJ, what kind of day is this going to be? Wow. And so I go and I like I pick it all up and I get it all, you know, taken care of. I get to practice. Everything was fine. The rest of my day was totally normal. But it was like the start to my day. I was like, how is it that I was that incompetent that early and like and I'd been up for like a, at least a solid hour before I left. I forgot pants and then I drilled our trash can. A mess. That is unbelievable. Wow. Just a mess, man. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> what what has also <laughs> been a mess amazing. to transition this back to where we are? What has also been a mess for the last couple of years for Denver has been the tight end position. Yeah. And we are going to talk unfortunately about the Broncos potentially addressing that spot mm-hmm. at 10th overall. TJ Hawkinson if this happens, tell me why I should not melt down live on Periscope in front of all of our fans. Well, for one, we saw what you know in what an Iowa tight end with less talent than Hawkinson was able to do in the offense that the Broncos have tried to bring to the Mile High City with new offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello. Um, you know, Broncos fans most of all know how good George Kittle is and can be. And Hawkinson would be a phenomenal blocker. So he would really help the offensive line. He would really help the running game establish an identity with this like kick ass inline tight end who can really be a factor as a blocker, 
and be a safety net uh, as a receiver, a valuable red zone target, and, you know, already has good hands, polished route runner, all that kind of stuff. And as we saw at the combine, uh, a pretty unbelievable athlete. So I think there's maybe a little more upside than than what you see on tape at Iowa um, as far as him being a target. So all that is stuff you should like. You know, the, the drawback is, is he even better than O.J. Howard? And is O.J. Howard that much of a difference maker in the NFL to take at 10? Uh, you know, it's great that he checks off all these boxes and that he's a safe pick, but I don't see this dynamic mismatch in the passing game either, which again would be a drawback for 10th overall. But you see him mock there. I think he is going to be, while not the top target, he is going to be a potential option here at 10. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what they would do if, say, White Oliver the top quarterbacks and Gary were all gone um, between someone like Hawkinson and Devin Bush. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking, we're talking about not taking Devin Bush because of, of, of value at 10. I mean, to turn around then and be like, okay, well, we'll take a tight end instead. Seems absolutely. I can't use the language I would like to use here, but it's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, it feels a little short-sighted for a couple reasons. For one, you know, at that point, I might just try and see, you know, give Jake Butt one last try and see if he can regain uh, that form that he had at Michigan that would have made him a top 50 pick. Yeah, And this is a super deep tight end class. Like, you don't necessarily have to force a pick when Irv Smith Jr. might be around in round two or Jace Sternberger could be there or you could wait till round three and four and get someone like Foster Morrow or Dawson Knox or Caleb Wilson or Caden Smith. Uh, you know, and that's not even, that's, that's not even like digging deep into the class. Those are like the mainstream names. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just wouldn't be the greatest pick though. Again, if you traded down and we're at 15, and you feel like he's the best player available? Yeah, I wouldn't be against that. I it I'm, wouldn't be I the mean, worst pick. It'd be far from my favorite pick. I mean, at that point, if you're gonna if you're gonna go down to to fifteen, like and and say the linebackers are gone, you know, mm-hmm. you know there's there's no Devin Bush there, right? Uh, there's no there's no like weird quarterback slippage where right. you know you're not talking about Drew Locke at fifteen or something, you know. Then I mean, at that point, why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you just take Garrett Bradbury? Like, it, yeah, okay, it's a little again a higher than you'd like to take, but a guy that's a perfect fit who is not going to get to you at forty one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you that's know. a that's a fair point. And here's the other thing: like the ideal strategy at ten, what we're really hoping for is a guy who drops at ten, who are looking at each other and saying boy, there was no way this guy should have still been around at 10. He should have gone in the top nine picks. I mean, similarly to how we felt about Chubb last year, where we talk about all these different scenarios. Right. But as soon as Chubb got to five, we were like, just pick him. Like, you still have a need at that position. Just pick him. Right. So, 
that's what you're saying. We hope for a 10 this year is that a guy we didn't think that would get there uh, does work his way down there. And there's no, there's no getting cute. There's, it's just, Hey, this guy's really good and he's going to be really good for us. And now we're a better football team because we made that pick and you're done. Yep. Ah, if only the draft was that easy all the time. Right. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I want to stay on this Hawkinson thing again. Uh, and I know, you know, obviously I'm the very anti tight end guy. Um, so I get that there's like a, you know, a perception there, but if you're trying to, when you're talking about building a draft class, if you seriously take TJ Hawkinson 10th overall, have you put yourself in a position where you can build, you can still build a good draft class overall, or is that over with? And now your Hawkinson has to be basically Hawkinson has to be a star in order for that to be worth it. Tenth, I mean, 10th overall for a tight end. That guy needs to be able to walk, chew gum, and save babies to be worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true no matter what, is you need this 10th pick to be a star. Um, this could still be a decent draft if the 10th pick is a, a, a good starter. Uh, but, you know you really need to nail this 10th pick. This this franchise is not in a position to lollygag or miss um, on a pick this high. You, uh, you gotta get it right. And yeah, in a sense, it does put more pressure on the next several picks to really kind of nail them. You have to, I mean, when you're talking about, when you're picking at 10 and, and 41, you're trying to get two starters. Okay, great. You have a starter now in Hawkinson, but he's still going to be realistically, he's going to be which option for you on, on offense. Like, is he going to be your second passing option? You know that he's a great, a great blocker obviously helps because that helps Phil Lindsay. That helps Royce Freeman. That helps the running game a ton. So that's great. Like you can put him in there, but in the passing game, what kind of option is he realistically? Is he, you you said that you don't think he's a dynamic enough of a guy to be to be to be a real a major matchup problem, right? And right. so what what option is he in your offense? Are you going with him over Emmanuel Sanders? Or is he your third best receiving option? Yeah, I mean I think his Well this is this is what I'm asking. Like his I'm, I'm... ceiling is like the second best option. Um, and if he really is your second best option, that probably says more about your lack of high-end talent at receiver than it does about Hawkinson. Okay. I mean, it, it's a legit question. Like, I think that's a great point. And so if we're living in that world where that's his ceiling and it says more about your wide receivers, why not? And this is all tying in. This is, I swear to God, this line of questioning was going somewhere. Why not? <laughs> just take DK Metcalf. Absolutely. Because we're looking at DK Metcalf. He's a physical freak. And we watched him play, and both you and I loved what limited action we got to see of him actually play this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we came came in talking about A.J. Brown. I was really excited about Brown. 
We both walked out of the season going, well, DK Metcalf is the real stud down there. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, so if you're talking, okay, you want you want somebody that can be a game changer for your offense, you know, is it just that DK Metcalf has a much higher bust potential than Hawkinson? Because even if Hawkinson doesn't have the highest ceiling, you know, he's at least a guy that you say, hey, his floor is pretty high and you're still going to get a useful player out of him. It just may not be an, a, a true difference maker for your offense. It may not be a guy that you feel, you know, may may not be a guy that, that changes the dynamic of your offense the way that you were really hoping when you drafted him. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for that, is DK Metcalf not the better pick? Uh, he's a pick at a higher value and obviously the much riskier pick. But yeah, I mean you know, potentially drafting the next Demarius Thomas would be a better pick. But you are, you know, and with DK, and I don't have to tell you, but to iterate for our listeners, a lot of that evaluation is going to come down to the Greek and, uh, you know, the Broncos medical staff giving giving the okay on that. Because if they don't sign off, it, it none of our, like, draft logic matters. It's just like, okay, then he's he's off the board. Like nothing I can do about that, you know. That, that I can interview twenty thousand scouts; it won't matter if if my medical staff has said it's a no go. It's a no go. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I, and I think for me, that upside would be more intriguing with with Metcalf. Though then you get into you know, uh, could Metcalf work out with Sutton? Are they both, you know? Well, if you think Metcalf is a number one and you think he's going to be a star, you don't care about Cortland Sutton. You don't not take that guy because you're worried about Cortland Sutton. If you think you have a guy, you know, because we're looking at Cortland Sutton and we're saying, hey, he could be, we think he could be a really good number two in the NFL. But you don't have that number one, and we've seen what a huge difference they can make for offenses. If you have DK Metcalf as your guy and you think he's going to be the man in your offense, you take that. And for the 10th overall pick, that's worth that swing. Whereas for me, I struggle to get there with a guy like TJ Hawkinson because he's not going to be the man in your offense. Even if he maxes out, he's not the man. He's a versatile guy that helps you in a lot of different ways, but he is not a focal point of your offense. And that's that's where I struggle with using the 10th overall pick on a guy that, oh, he's helpful. Well, and, and I mean, he's safe. He's we're hitting a we're we're hitting a double, right? At uh, best, right? It's like it's it's like a it's like a it's like a single that goes off the monster in, in Fenway where you're if you're really fast, maybe you turn it into a double, right? Like if it's the if, uh, if everything breaks the right way, you're getting to me he would be a double. Yeah, I think I think there's a scenario where he could be like a a triple. You know where he could really be um, one hell of a tight end and like a top three guy at the position in okay. three four well, so years. So that's if you really think that if that's possible, then I guess that would change my feeling on it a little bit because I'm not sold that that's a, that's remotely possible. Where I sit with Hawkinson is that if he maxes out, he's a guy that is good. You know, he doesn't ever make a Pro Bowl or 
Maybe he makes a Pro Bowl because 17 guys skip it or something. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't ever like you know make an all pro team and he's never the man at the position. And uh opposing opposing teams are never actually game planning around stopping him, removing him from the game. You know, and and even though I like the blocking is is very helpful, right? Like that makes it an easy oh, sell good. in terms of the safety of of him of of the position. Because how many times have we seen teams go after these these guys that can't block at all, and they're mm-hmm. just like, well, that's fine if he's a superstar in the receiving game, and then he just becomes okay in the receiving game, but he still never becomes a blocker, and they've used a pick on a guy that's just meh. Yep. R.I.P. You know? Jay Samaro, Evan Ingram, don't disappoint me. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. you know, he, for me, he has to be a great blocker, a fantastic blocker. He's got to be a sixth lineman caliber of blocker. Uh, and then he also is going to have to be a major factor in your receiving game uh, in order in order to justify the 10th pick. I mean, he's got to have to be a serious player. Right, which, you know, with his yak ability, um, you know, after the catch, he, he can be a handful to take down. And some some intriguing skill sets in as a red zone receiver, you you could get there as as a receiver. You could reach that. That's that's how you're tracking the path for him to become a top three player at the position. Okay, well this turned into this turned into Hawkinson, but yeah. Um, I also you know if you're we're talking game breaker on offense you know you want somebody that has a transformative effect you know we had that con- we had this conversation on defense last segment Devin White and Devin Bush would have transformative effects on that defense uh TJ Hawkinson could maybe you know DK Metcalf could I think the real question though is the quarterbacks if Drew yeah. Locke gets there why is Drew Locke the guy why why would he have, be a guy that is worth waiting uh, a year or two on uh, and and he's he's your you know uh, talk about a transformative effect that solved your quarterback problem. Yeah, right, and did give you a young quarterback on a rookie contract, which, as we know, is basically how you go from rebuilding to contention in like a two year span is having a quarterback who's really good and still has a couple years on a rookie contract like the Browns or Chiefs, and all of a sudden it's game on. Um, Drew Locke's appeal is threefold. It's his upside slash arm talent and some intriguing athleticism, which especially in this play-action boot-heavy uh, offense is nice because you can put him on the move, let him unleash the, the arm, and have some fun with it. Then it comes down to the fact that he's improved significantly in this last year. I think the flash plays went down to some extent, but you saw him lead, you know, Missouri to a top 25 finish Mm -hmm. when they really had no business doing that in a stacked SEC and pull off upsets against teams like Kentucky and Florida, some of the best defenses in the country because he became so much better in handling pressure, taking what the defense gave him, and picking his spots. And so that makes him very appealing. And the third factor is that, to me, 
you know, after Tua Tagovailoa, I'm not sure there's anyone projecting ahead in that 2020 quarterback class who right now is better than Drew Locke. Uh, after those two upsets against Kentucky and Florida, I said to myself, and I said it on this show, Drew Locke to me is better than Justin Herbert, uh, who's kind of seen as the second best quarterback in the class. He has a much more electric skill set than Jake Fromm, who to me is highly overrated and just, you know, a game manager type. And then, uh, you know, the, I, I like guys like Kellen Mond that takes us A&M. Uh, Jake Ellinger at Texas, but those guys are complete projections. Uh, Locke is way more polished right now and arguably has a higher upside than any of those guys. So even projecting forward to 2020, which is what lots of people like to do, I don't know. I'd say stick to what's around in 2019 where Drew Locke, uh, while far from the perfect prospect and still comes with a ton of risk, isn't that you know, isn't that far off the best of the best in a year from now. Okay. So what happens in the ultra unlikely, but super awesome event that Haskins gets down to 10. Okay. So is there, is there an easier decision for Denver? Uh, Say, let's say something crazy actually takes place. Devin White and Haskins are are both there. Is there an easy decision there? Because I feel like Haskins has to be the guy no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I think positional value just pushes him up to where he's the pick. So if Dwayne Haskins is on the board, it doesn't really matter what else has happened in the in the top nine. You just take your found money and, and you put it in your pocket, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Take them and don't complain. Just go for it, man. Go for it. Okay. I mean, because that seems like the easy decision to me too. If yeah, to to me, his floor might not be Jared Goff, but I feel like his his medium is Jared Goff. Like with the fact that he's only been a one year starter, and the way he grew throughout the season and developed, I think his ceiling gets higher than Jared Goff, and I feel pretty good about in the right scheme he could definitely be Jared Goff okay um well and so Haskins you take if Haskins is there you just shut up and take him if Drew Locke is there do you just shut up and take him (sighs) no no, okay. it, at what it point, depends on who else is around. Say they want to say they want to move down. At what point do you just say, do you just say, okay, this is this has gotten out of hand. We just have to take this guy. Is it fifteen? I mean, I even at ten, if you know the board falls that way, you take him. You don't need to. He's not like Hawkinson or Bush, where you're getting picky and thinking. Also because I think he goes between picks 11 through, you know, or 10 through 14 if we're trading down from 10 to 15. Like, I don't think he lasts that long. If Locke is your target, you got to pull the trigger. Okay. If you're running the, if you're running the war room and Locke gets to 10, regardless of the board, do you just take him? Is he the best guy there? Is he the best guy that helps you 
the most in his in his career. Hmm. Are, do you believe enough that Drew Locke is going to be a high enough level starter in the NFL that at the tenth overall pick you haven't had to move up, you haven't had to move down, you've been you've you've invested no additional capital into making this this happen for your quarterback of the future? You know you're not in you're not throwing right. an extra third round pick at this. You're not throwing a future first round pick. You're just sitting there and saying, "Well, okay, well this guy fell into our lap. Great, let's." You know, let's let's nurture him like a baby. Is that is that is he good enough of a prospect that that's how you do it? Is if he gets to ten, you just run up to the you run up to the you call in the the, the pick and have him run up to the podium and say, "Drew Lock is a Denver Bronco." I mean, you better have a plan for him. You better have the team on board, and you better have vetted him off the field. Uh, to you know, fully feel like this isn't gonna be another bust. And look, I can accept swinging and missing on quarterbacks. We act like the Broncos are in this unique situation. No, every team that's on the outside looking in is exactly in the situation the Broncos are in and have been for decades. This is the NFL for you. It's the haves and the have-nots. And becoming a have requires finding the right quarterback. And if you don't you're stuck in limbo. You're stuck in, you know, non-quarterback purgatory. Uh, so that that's just how it is. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn, AJ, because he's 20th on my board. He's that one pick where we talk about, oh boy, I hope the Raiders don't take Josh Allen. I hope the Raiders don't take Quinn and Williams. Well, you know who I do hope the Raiders take? Drew Locke, because he doesn't scare me that much. Um, but then, at the same time, he'd be very enticing if you don't have to move up or do anything for him, and you have a plan in place, and you feel like his, you know, he's got the IQ necessary. He fits in this offense, and he's gonna work until he becomes great. All right, make a decision. Yeah, I'd take him. Okay. I'd take him on ten. I mean, yeah. That's what I wanted to know. It took us 28 minutes to get through that and uh, an awful lot of me just kind of talking. But uh, yeah, you, is there, is there anything good. else that you we got, want to touch on at 10? You feel good. You finally got your Hawkinson take out definitively. Um, no, let me just I mean, say this. It, it, it's not, I mean, it, my, my, my real, like, honest to God in my heart take is that if you take TJ Hawkinson in the first round, you just lit the first round pick on fire. Uh, and that has nothing to do with TJ Hawkinson, but the position that he plays. So um, that's, that's how I feel about that. But you can also, I mean, I'm not an illogical individual, you know, I'm, I'm pragmatic, I'm a pragmatic person here. So, mm. you know, you can make use of, of, of guys in the first round, you know, you, you draft him in certain spots. When we're talking about having a top ten pick, you've gotta you've gotta get I mean, you can't just be getting starters at that point. Like, okay, great. You got you got a starter out of out of your tenth overall pick. Yeah, I guess you get a pat on the back for that. Like you need to be getting a star player. You need to be getting one of your one of your best players. And certainly the guy that's best at his position, barring something crazy like last year with Chubb joining Vaughn Miller. You know, so that's, that's how I feel about that. I just, 
I wanted to go through the conversation and and say, you know, and work our way to the different options and the different questions that I think need to be asked when you're talking about not only building uh, a team and a draft class, but using the 10th overall pick on a freaking tight end. You can't be having words like, oh, he may not be a matchup nightmare. Okay, well, then he's not the 10th pick. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, fair, fair enough. You know, um, and, and like Jonah Williams, let's talk about Jonah Williams real quick. Since we, yeah, this, there you go. We've already gone 30 minutes. Let's just let's just keep on going on. To this. Uh, uh, by the way, 18 of which were spent either talking about your crazy morning or your eight for tight ends at 10, which so. is fine. Like, that's what I'm saying. We've already gone into this. We've already gone long. We're just getting we're not worrying about time anymore. Jonah Williams. I feel the same way about Jonah Williams. If he's a guard, right. The difference with Jonah Williams is that, yes, is that that's a guy. Uh, for, for one, Garrett Bowles sucks, and if that continues, okay. if, that, right. if that continues, <clears throat> yes. then Jonah Williams taking that job over, and then Garrett Bowles becoming mm-hmm. your guard is a very different conversation. Yeah, I mean, that is where Jonah Williams becomes really intriguing is the fact that he can be an upgrade at right guard as a rookie starting off, and he can be your long-term insurance at either tackle spot if you find you overpaid Juwan James or he doesn't work out or is injured or what have you, and your long-term insurance because this is Garrett Bowles' last chance at left tackle. And if he doesn't work out, it's time to move on. And that's going to mean spending another premium pick on the position. Well, Jonah Williams just checks off all the boxes. Easy breezy. And I think in a zone scheme, you worry less about those length concerns. Uh, You know, he'd be a really nice pick, a really safe pick in a lot of ways, too. And you say safe in that it's not sexy, but it's a plug and play player for you. And and at at right guard, it's not good value, but because of the swing tackle um, and and the fact that the the versatility, all of the all those things that you just mentioned, that gives him a lot of additional value over a classic right guard, over like when oh, the yeah. Bears just took Quentin Nelson straight up last year and said, time. okay, here you go. You know, there's no there's no conversation with Quentin Nelson about. Oh well, could he also swing at kick out and play right tackle or left tackle right. if need be? Because that's what he spent his entire college career dominating. Right. So you know, with Jonah Williams, we're talking about him at ten. It might be again, like I think he's sort of in the Devin Bush mold for me, where it's just a little bit too high. But the mm-hmm. versatility and the fit and the fact that he's a day one starter and potentially a very, 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 very high level starter right away at right, right guard and then has the, the the ability and the potential to be your, you know, a fill-in guy for your, your tackle position as well. You know, it's a lot harder to find those guys than it is to find a right guard. And so that it's, it's weird that like you, you kind of devalue him by playing him at right guard right away, but a lot of his value is going to come in his ability to, uh, play multiple positions because injuries and uh, fluctuations in play are going to happen. Yeah, 100%. And, and when you're talking like- about like building the line, it's a lot easier to get a backup for Jonah Williams at right guard 
than it is to get a quality backup at left tackle or right tackle who can do either one of those things. And if you have Jonah Williams on the field all the time, you're still getting value out of the fact that he's on the field producing for you at whatever position he is on that given day. And to me, I mean, that's such a right. great chess piece to have. It's such a valuable guy to have on your roster uh, that at 10, if you're not going to go, uh, if, if both of those quarterbacks are gone and you're going to go on offense, for me, that's the guy that I should be. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if Jonah Williams is who we think he is playing tackle and look sooner rather than later, he would make that switch to tackle in Denver regardless of what happens with Bulls. Um, you're talking about a $10 million plus dollar player a year uh, down the road, um, if not more than that. I mean, so yeah, he'd be, he'd be a worthwhile pick at 10th overall. And like with Bush, part of the intrigue with Bush, with the Devons really, is that you're taking these linebackers and putting them in the hands of a great linebacker coach like Fanjo, Mike Munchak's there which makes you feel even better about drafting someone like Jonah Williams, the Alabama left tackle, who I think in our minds has been the best offensive tackle in college football the last two years. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt, in my opinion. I mean, not even mm -hmm. close. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Now, to close out, can I just say real quick, because we had to skim over Haskins, um, but... The, I am getting frustrated that this, you know, for starters, a lot of people are saying Haskins is dropping down boards, which I say, like, yeah, I'm old right. enough to remember when people were telling me uh, Trubisky and Watson and Mahomes were going to drop or that Jared Goff and you would never go in the top 10. Um, you know, it, it, this is what happens every year around this time. Even last year, it was like, well, there might only be one quarterback taken in the top five. Um, you know, we just do this every single year, and they're just they're the least clever smoke screens ever. We, we see exactly what you're trying to do. But this narrative has come out about Haskins that he might drop, that he's being overvalued by media. And the frustrating part for me is that people are saying he's not a good deep ball passer. Just go watch the Indiana tape. Go watch the Northwestern Big Ten Championship, the Maryland game. He carved those defenses up deep. Some of those he's having to get back in the game and huck it up, and he had no fear doing that. His deep ball accuracy is maybe the best quality he has. So, yeah, I know that that Ohio State offense had a lot of you know quick passes, quick screens, crossers. This kind of stuff. He's getting the ball out uh, in a hurry and all that. Yeah. But he took his shots deep well, plenty. You have to watch way more than just the Penn State game when you're talking about that guy. Because, like, yeah. if all you watch, for me, that sounds like somebody who just watched the Penn State game and said, Ooh, this is a concern. Because we watched what? that game and I was like, This is a problem, man. Like, they got back in that game through the passing game, but it was all guys making plays with the ball in their hand from the line of scrimmage. Like Haskins did not have to do much in that game, but as the year went on, that offense became more and more dominant because he became more dominant. You go and you watch the, the big 10, uh, the, the championship game. And you want to tell me that that guy has a problem throwing a deep ball. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, 
seriously watch Indiana. It'd been a while since I'd watched it, and I put it on not too long ago and was just like, oh my gosh, this guy is unbelievable. He's just carving them up deep. And I think people watch like TCU or Michigan where he had a great game, but he really is carving them up on the short to intermediate for the most part, taking what they give them and just, you know, getting the ball out before they even line up correctly and killing them that way. Right. But that's not to say that's the only way he had success. But it's like, why is that also a bad thing? The fact that, oh, the defense gave him this and he also killed them with this. You know, right. he he beat teams multiple. And that's crazy to me. I've uh, This is actually going to get me upset if I think about this more because he's a <laughs> he's a great prospect. And yeah. the more like I had major questions on him halfway through the year where I was really, really not sold. But mm-hmm. the last five games of the season, how can you watch that and think anything other than holy smokes? This kid's going to be a star. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I don't get it either. Uh, I mean, I think it's all just smokescreen people, you know, teams trying to make him drop and talk him down, negging him, as the kids would say. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and yeah, nobody, I, nobody negs quite like the NFL and quarterbacks because yep, they badly, 100%. badly, badly want them to, to, to go their way and, and end up on yep. their team or not in their division or whatever. Right. And I mean, final factor in his favor, he showed up to the interview uh, on his top 30 visit wearing a John Elway jersey. Like, Yeah, I'm sorry, but if you're meeting with John Elway in Denver at Dove Valley and you roll in with an old school, like an old, not even like the current logo, but the old school logo, John Elway jersey. Right. That's the ultimate power. Like, okay, John Elway should have literally just given him the keys to Dove Valley at that point and said, we're going to come get you on draft day. 100%. 100%. That's such a power move. What a baller. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Drake I mean, finished. I think part of part of this narrative, why we're saying that, is people are having a hard time finding uh, negatives about Dwayne Haskins, so they're making up stuff like he's not a good deep ball passer. <laughs> like, I'm just hey, trying that's to fine. See. Teach I, their own. Like, look, the... Given, given our media environment as a whole, guys get away with making stuff up all the time. And, and they, it oh, just yeah. doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah. Facts just seem to matter less and less as we go. So mm-hmm. we're here just trying yep. to give it to you straight. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome to, to disagree with my, my tight end feels. And I can live with that. Yes. I'm open yes. to the fact that I'm wrong. <laughs> Not, but I'm open to it. We've we've come a long way in the last month and a half, I think. Andre, yeah, it has been forty minutes. What do you say we take our next break? Let's do it. Get some offense, Broncos. We gave you forty minutes of options. Do it. Absolutely, it's not it's not quite like the fan doing it nine hours a day, but uh, I'd like to think our quality is there. Speaking (laughs) of quality, I've got to tell you guys about the Green Solution which has 17 locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Can personally attest to the green solution having all the answers for me. Andre... We are going to take our next break here. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixin All. We will be right back.
Welcome in third and final segment here of the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast. I'm AJ Hayfley. He's Andre Simone. We are just finishing up. We are in the last couple of weeks of draft prep. I got to say, Dre, I feel less prepared this year than I did last year. Yeah. That's uh, that's part of life. In some ways, I feel less prepared for every draft I do than I did the draft prior. And then I look back and realize I'm crazy. <laughs> like, it's actually that I'm more prepared and I know more. And I've got more, like, prospects rolling through my mind. And that's part of why I feel like it, it feels like because I've broadened my horizons, I know less, but I actually know more. Well, and I, I definitely think that the more you know, the more doubt it it casts oh when my you gosh. talk to prospects. Oh my gosh, yes. Because like if you know five guys and you know them really well, but that's it, like you know everything about those five guys and you feel super confident about them. Yes. And you're like, done. That's the guy that I like. That's it. We're done. No problem. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But when you know 250 guys, you're kind of like, well, this guy's got this and he's got that and... You know, I could easily see him failing if these things happen. If he ends up in the wrong system, then, you know, he doesn't even make it to his second contract and blah, blah, blah. blah. Right, right. So, you know, those it's the more, you know, the less, the less you, I don't know. There's there's gotta be some words of wisdom out there for it, but it's, it definitely feels like the more we dig into this, the less confident that I am, that I'm like prepared on on guys because I, I know so many of them now. Right. That it's like, ah, I don't know those five guys as well as I used to, but I know 200 guys now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Anyway, we are now going to, we've touched on, we've touched on it a little bit here uh, in this show, the idea of trading down. If they do trade down, you know, we've talked about Devin Bush and all these guys. We're not going to talk about these guys. Right. If they do trade down and like specifically for these two guys we're going to talk about, they need to move down quite a bit. I mean, I think so. Not in the top 15. You're trading down to late teens or 20s. I, I was thinking about. 18 to 20 is realistically where they should be going yep. Yep. to get exactly. these two guys. Yep. Exactly. Uh, first guy that we're going to talk about, a guy that you love, a guy that I have attached myself to because you love. And I've come to totally agree with you because you're almost always right anyway. So <laughs> uh, Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, a guy that we are of the opinion would be a great fit here in Denver if they wanted to move down and grab him. Boy, that's a really good that's a really good way to start off the draft class. Yeah, an ideal fit because he does have the length. He has incredible athleticism for his size. Would be perfect in this scheme. In some ways, I've compared him to Akeem Hicks, the star defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears last year in uh, Fangio's defense, only much more athletic. And I think in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Chris Jones. You know, Chris Jones had a couple dominant games when he was at Mississippi State and then would underwhelm in other ones. Tillery is the exact same way athletically and size-wise. They're very similar. And we've seen what Jones has done in the NFL once he's become a little more consistent. Still far from perfect, but as far as interior pass rushers, um, there are a few who are as good as him. And Tillery would be a slam-dunk pick. In a way, I would almost prefer trading down, getting two picks in that 18 to 25 range, and just taking the two guys we're about to talk about. One Tillery, 
and the next is uh, another favorite and just perfect fit for Denver. Okay. Um, the other guy that you think is a perfect fit for Denver, Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. Yeah, top center in the country, uh, played at NC State, is just, uh, you know, was put on earth to block in a zone blocking scheme. Uh, <laughs> his ability to get to the second level, his ability to cover so much ground, uh, his athleticism is out of this world. And, you know, he, he's he got a nasty streak to him too. He, he can be a powerful blocker, especially with a head of steam. Um, and in a zone blocking scheme, he is just perfection. Perfection. Um, can't say enough about him. And, you know, High IQ, good teammate, team captain, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, can't go wrong with Bradbury either. And if you added those two guys, if I could flip the 10th pick to somehow get those two guys, I sign up for it, no matter what. No matter what, even? I'd take Haskins. Okay. Above that, uh, Devin White would be a push. I would not. It would be Haskins or those two guys. Yeah, there you I go. I love Devin White, but I'm I don't think you. Devin White is that special. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. If you can get, you know, passing up two potential all pros at their positions, uh, I mean, Devin Devin White would have to be dominant yeah. to make that worth it. Yeah. Totally. Uh, okay, so trade down, those are the guys we want to talk about the most uh, in terms of a trade down just because – they're great fits. They're perfect for Denver. Right. Let's get to some questions, eh? Yeah, then you'd get into maybe some wide receivers, maybe some defensive backs. You know, we're covered at corner, but you never know. Safeties would be worth considering, but those would be the, the two big targets if you traded down. Okay. Question number one, you ready? Mm-hmm. From Bucking Broncos, what do you guys think of Jimmy Moreland from JMU in the later rounds? I got to watch him in person during my junior years uh, as Duke, so I might have some bias, but I think he'd be a big sleeper in this draft. Go Broncos, go Dukes. Um, yeah, played. Um, Moreland was one of the top programs in the FCS last year. He's an undersized nickel corner, though at the FCS level, he played plenty outside and was flexed inside from time to time. Superb ball skills. His interception numbers are really impressive. And he tested well at his pro day. Um, I worry about him being a little too physical and, um, you know, getting sucked into some pass interference, holding type penalties. Uh, And I also worry about his size uh, when it comes to contested ball situations. And, you know, even though he ran a 4-4, I don't see the most fluid athlete when turning and run with guys. I do see him get beat. Uh, so he wouldn't be in those top two tiers of cornerbacks in this draft for me. Uh, he would be just after that in a you know pretty deep group with guys like David Long out of Michigan and Jordan Miller out of Washington, Mark Fields out of Clemson. Uh, Savion Smith out of Bama, Kendall Sheffield out of Ohio State. He'd be right there in that mix, depending on what you're looking for, as one of the better uh, nickel corners in this draft. And, of course, since we've done nothing but add 
nickel corners in free agency, or at least guys who can play really well covering the slot and playing close to the line of scrimmage in Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, and already had the best of the best in Chris Harris Jr. Adding a fourth guy seems like overkill. But uh, that's not to take away from Jimmy Moreland, who, you know, the other perspective to look at it as is, well, he fits what the Broncos like. Uh, feisty, physical, sound tackling, um, you know, cover corner in the slot. So there, that's the pros and cons for you. I, would, I wouldn't consider him until after round four. All right. Let's just keep on uh, keep on keeping on here. Our next question uh, from True Champ Fan Twenty Four. Hey guys, please help me understand something. Why is DK rated so highly rated among experts and draft boards, but a guy like Miles Boykin is not? They had similar production with Boykin having the best season between the two. Even their combines weren't that different. As an old Miss fan, I do enjoy DK. How he, however, he reminds me more of a Charles Rogers than a Calvin Johnson. He has bust written all over him. I just feel like Boykin is going to have huge potential and a better career. As always, keep up the great work. We touched a little bit on uh, DK Metcalf here. Yeah. Uh, last segment. Miles Boykin. Why would Miles Boykin have a better career than DK Metcalf? Well, because he stays healthy for one. I mean, easy answer, right? Um, and yeah, I think I think this is how a, a few different. Um, how several people feel when they look at the data from the combine where arguably Boykin tested better because his agility tests weren't as concerning as DK Metcalf's. And yeah, because he played an entire season for Notre Dame, his stats are better. Um, now, when you look at the, the per-game production... DK had the much better season and he was splitting touches with two other NFL caliber wide receivers in AJ Brown and uh, DeMarcus Lodge and an NFL caliber tight end. So you need to put it in that context. Um, And, you know, the thing is, when you watch Boykin's tape at Notre Dame, what he did in Indianapolis does not show up. He struggled to separate from NFL caliber cornerbacks watch him, um, you know, in the Vanderbilt tape against Joe Juan Williams or, you know, the the disaster for Notre Dame against Clemson with Travion Millen really had him, um, you know, locked onto his hip. Um, you know, he doesn't look sudden. He doesn't show the long speed that he tested at. Um, and he, he just looks more like a possession back shoulder receiver the other thing and this is slightly a concern for metcalf and doesn't get talked about nearly enough we talk about the three cone with metcalf so much Mm -hmm. we don't talk about his hands but like metcalf where i have some concerns with his hands and i don't see too many spectacular diving grabs acrobatic grabs you really don't see that from boykin Um, And I don't see him do a great job on contested balls, using that frame, using that athleticism to muscle his way out, adjust midair and come down with the ball. Um, So you're really, really gambling on Boykin's testing, uh, athletic testing, being able to come out in college and uh, developing him. Uh, So, yeah, that's really where the difference is. And Metcalf is a boomer bust guy, but he showed those flashes on tape. 
Yeah, Boykin just didn't. So that's where the the main difference is. So he definitely out-tested his tape. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, based off the athletic testing, Boykin should be should have been number the number one receiver at Notre Dame, should have had 1000 yards, should have been dominant. I mean, and should be, you know, when you have that kind of size and you have that kind of athleticism, you should be a first-round mm-hmm. talent. And he is definitely not a first-round talent. I guess I could see someone reaching on him in round three, but even that's too rich to me in this loaded wide receiver class. Or deep wide receiver. Let's not get carried away. Just not just not enough there. Yeah. Okay. There you have it. Uh, and then a couple of questions here from Ooh Benny Lava. I just like the Ooh part of that. Ooh Benny Lava. <laughs> A couple of questions for you guys. Number one, what do you think of Taylor Rapp as a potential second-round target after his horrible pro day? He has been sliding a lot in recent mocks I've seen. I think he'd be an excellent fit in the Broncos' D, although there are more pressing needs that could be filled with the 41st pick. This could be a pipe dream, but do you think it's possible he slips to the third round because of teams placing too much value in the aforementioned poor performance at his pro day? Let's tackle this question first before we get to a second question. Um like Taylor Rapp was three years ago, one of the best freshmen in the country. I was certain he would be a top 20 talent. Um, He was ranked in the top 30 of my preseason rankings two years later. And yes, he tested poorly, but I've seen enough on tape of his ability to turn and run with tight ends, running backs, um, you know, be a really sound player in the box. Um, and a guy who can come downhill and do some damage. That said, what we are looking for, in my humble opinion, as someone who's you know tracked and charted every single play the Broncos had and writes a film room after every offseason addition we make, I don't think the Broncos should be looking for an in-the-box safety or a defensive back who's at his best playing closer to the line of scrimmage. What you want is someone who you can trust as a deep safety so that Fanjo can implement more single high and two high safety looks, um, which is what's going to allow your corners to play more zone. And then the safeties have the deep half of the field and everything's going to work well. Simmons has the speed, has the coverability, great covering the slot, but his instincts covering deep have left me wanting for more. Parks, much better closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sua Cravens, much better closer to the line of scrimmage. Kareem Jackson, who could be used as a safety. Look, he can play as a two-deep look, but this guy is a downhill destroyer. The be- He's at his best defending the run and coming downhill to make devastating tackles and plays on the ball. You don't want to keep that guy 30 yards away from the line of scrimmage every single play you're taking away from his best asset. So adding another guy like Rap to this defense, I don't think is a great fit. I'm I guess I could see him slip to the early third round. I'd say there's a 30% chance of that. I still think his tape and you know college production will will allow him <coughs> to go in round two where he should go. Um I would love it in a universal value way. 
And I, you know, I'm a big proponent of you don't draft for need. You draft the best player available. So if he was available in the third, I'd be all for it. But for the Broncos, those concerns uh, that I just mentioned definitely come into play. All right. Uh, last question of the day. You ready? Yeah. Says, AJ, this question is for you because I know we haven't talked quarterback enough for you, so you are <laughs> welcome. Oh, my God. Please troll AJ on the next pod with a bunch of tight end questions. <laughs> you guys are the best. Ooh, Benny Lava, I love that you're in on the joke with us. So, well, good work, sir. He goes on to say, do you think Skanks has his eye on a potential Nick Mullins-esque quarterback in this year's draft? So somebody who probably won't get drafted, but could do a serviceable job in a backup role with Skanks' tutelage. Quarterback that doesn't get drafted that you like as a backup. I'm sure Skanks is, that's the hope. You can never guarantee that that guy will slip. Um Jeez, if there was a guy like that, and we got to remember for all the talk of, oh, we want quarterbacks who can play under center and this, that, and the other, Mullins came from a complete spread offense at Southern Miss. You know, mobile quarterback, always played out a shotgun. Um, And they made it work while adapting the offense to some of his skills. If there's someone like that in this class, I would look at Nick Fitzgerald and Easton Stick. Fitzgerald being the more intriguing of the two because of his athleticism and the fact that I feel like Fitzgerald, if he doesn't pan out as a quarterback, could become a really good tight end. So there would be two names I'd throw out for you. You know, I've actually been thinking about this quarterback thing lately. and Oh, oh good. <laughs> I know, right? And I've really taken, again, uh, you're going to laugh at this, but Ryan Finley, man, I just, uh, like, I, I just like him. I had a week where I um, came around to Ryan Finley, then watched more and more tape and became so frustrated with his ball placement. I he mean, was also, it, between us, this means nothing, but he was a bit of a jerk when I was interviewing him at the Senior Bowl. That always annoys me, man. Yeah, I mean, it it means absolutely nothing, but yeah, that soured me on him a little. But I was coming around to him after that regardless, but gosh, his, yeah, his ball placement is so maddening. It's like, could you please just put it on the right shoulder from time to time? But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's not bad. But I didn't, Jordan Tamu and um, Brett Rippon are are my two kind of low-key quarterback prospects uh but I, I thought we were talking undrafted so i didn't mention them yeah we are i was just i've just been thinking about it lately and so and i didn't mention this earlier but i just i don't know where he's gonna go i don't necessarily think it's like he's like a great fit for denver or anything but i do i just can't shake the feeling that uh ryan finley's gonna be a guy that we hear from after he gets drafted. Yeah, and I mean, those NC State quarterbacks have done done better than expected. Um, not Mike Lennon, but, you know, uh, the Jacoby Bursets and Russ and Phil Rivers, of course. Um, and look, I think you could make a sound argument that Finley is better than Daniel Jones. 
I wouldn't. I don't think I would have a hard time making that argument. Absolutely, Jalen Williams isn't very good, but absolutely. I yeah, I'm I'm a fan, man. I really do like uh, Ryan Finley, and I think that's a yeah. And we thought he'd be a contender to go in round one in the preseason, right? Yeah, and he did not have the kind of year certainly that I was hoping for. Uh, no, no, but. In the same way that I really liked Mason Rudolph last year, I like Ryan Finley this year, although for way different reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're quite different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are not guys with puns in common. Um, but no, I just, I've been thinking about him lately. I've been watching some more of that quarterback tape, and I feel like I've been really dismissive of non first round quarterbacks this year. Um, and I just, I wanted to get comfortable with why that was again. And all that happened is I got uncomfortable with it again. You know, I got, now I'm like, okay, well maybe Ryan Finley in the third round is a good idea. Maybe this is something I can get behind. Right. But you know, nothing can ever be easy for us. eh? I mean, so they tell me, uh, Andre, any, uh, any final thoughts here? Uh, no, as dude. we, uh, next, we get out of here for the week. Uh, next show, we're going to try to gauge some of the latest draft buzz, maybe talk about the mock draft that dropped Thursday. Um, so check that out. If you haven't already, I put some trades in there. I'm pretty happy with what came out. Me too. Um, we're just, yeah, we're just going to try to finish things up and um, get ready for draft week in a couple weeks. So. Yeah. I would I would also say if there's anything that you guys would like for us to do uh, in one of our last two shows running up to the draft, if there's anything no nope. last show, there's one last show, right? You know, well, yeah. I'm depending on how it works with RK and Zach the week of the draft. Then next week might be our last show. Yeah. Well, but I mean, even if we're recording next Friday, it would be a post round one post round one pre round two pod like the the draft we would have opened our first round of gifts like it wouldn't be pre-christmas morning already you know writing writing letters to santa would be over by then um so which don't do he doesn't know how to read always write letters to santa um god Some of the some of the tangents you put me on. Trey, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get uh, out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Before we do, gotta pay one last bill for the day and tell you guys about Live Well Enlightened Health. It is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-way half ounces and $60 pre-way ounces every day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L dot com slash BSN. For Andre Simone, I am AJ Hayfley. We have been the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast.